Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bagheel on Brand, and your host, Saeed Bagheel. Gives me great pleasure and honor to have today Mike Glone from London. I want to talk about brands and what brands he has worked on. Uh, Michael uh, has been working on brands for a very long time. And his experience to my audience, to you, will be of great value. A different perspective, something to learn from, and to share with others. Stay tuned. So, uh, uh, Michael Owen, why don't you let me? Uh, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Okay, so my name is Michael Owen. I'm in the the north of England, in Newcastle upon Tyne, actually, and. For the last 20 odd years, I've run six or seven different creative agencies, digital agencies, brand consultancies. But my home, my home is where my heart is. My home is brand. So that's what I, that's what I, that's, that's what I love most. It's brand. Brand is what I love most. What sort of clients did you have over the years? Well, that's the strangest uh, thing that happened was Virgin. We worked with Virgin for a little while. I say strange side because um, Virgin, you know, I consider them to be one of the world's most um, distinct brands, I suppose. Um, but they, they rang us and basically they were struggling. I don't know if you know this, but Virgin Money was a takeover of a, a local bank in the north of England and they were, they were struggling to recruit the right people. So we helped yeah. them to recruit the, the, the right people. So Virgin Money Sage Software, these are the bigger ones, I suppose, the ones with global reach, but many, many hundreds, I suppose, of other much smaller UK-based brands as well. Perfect. And um, right now, what do you do? What I do now, I do three things. One is um, I run a, a brand consultancy, a brand strategist. I, I describe myself as a brand strategist, I suppose. And that's going to be called Michael. I say going to be because it's, it's launching in a couple of days. Um, but I, I currently sit inside the digital agency that's left over from my old world. My old world was lots of agencies. Yeah. So uh, that company is called Angelfish. Um, I also write a blog every day for every day for 10 years. I'm writing this blog side and I also run a clothing brand called Always Wear Red. Oh, you're on that, huh? Always Wear Red. Yeah, the, the reason I do that is because I think there are lots of people, um, you know, clearly when we look at you, for example, with your books and your experience and your global cleverness, there are some people who just talk about it but are not really good at doing it. Now, we know that you're great, but I sometimes thought, I wonder if I can do it as well. So <laughs> I decided to I decided to actually build a brand, side. So, you know, Always Wear Red is a is a, a UK-based um, clothing brand, which has been going for three or four years. And, I, and I'm trying to build a global audience for that, my own business. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. And how long have you, uh, well, you said four years. And how's it yeah. doing now? Yeah, we're doing okay. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky. I've worked with some of the world's best makers and we use the world's best materials because I wanted to get a very premium feel. So I, I piggybacked on the supply chain and the making environment the making ecosystem of people like Gucci and Louis Vuitton, etc. But I wanted a really sustainable business, which we've achieved, Saeed. And we're going to break even in year five and then maybe, maybe make a few quid in year six. 
And do you plan to uh, invite investors to come on board or too early? It's a great question. I'm not really sure because it started off as a side project, really, um, something to do next to my brand strategy work, but it's doing okay. Um, so maybe, maybe, but I'm a bit of a control freak. I like to look after things that I've created myself, which is not, not a good thing all the time, but it's just the way I am. Oh, perfect. So now uh, let's go back before we go to the science world. Mm. Now you've said you're going to set up your agency and it's going to focus on uh, brand consultancy strategy. Yeah. Um, and what sort of uh, audience do you plan to attract? Well, um, like all good brands, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be for everybody because the whole of the offer is based on the idea of being what I call seriously playful. By seriously, yeah. play, by seriously playful, I just mean, look, we know the rules. We know the rules of brand, but we don't always have to follow them. I love, I love the idea of if we're not noticed, everything else is irrelevant anyway. So um, as you and I both know, about 90% of all marketing spend and all brand spend isn't even noticed, and only four yes. percent of it, only four percent of everything that that people say is 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 remembered favorably, and that's billions of wasted money. So I would rather be. I've got this really strange sentence in my head, and see if you agree with this. But in my little world, I just think it's better to be different than it is to be better. Um, absolutely, absolutely. To be better, it, you see, to be different, you can be consistent, mm. but to be better. It's competitive. And when you remain competitive, you have to feel so much investment to sure. stay on top. I mean, I, I just go through life learning from people like you and then the, the people that came before you uh, and people like us, Paul Rand, George Louis, Bill Bernabak, all these people who were telling amazing stories um, around a business and a brand um, and actually getting noticed. Um, it's amazing how many people I come across who have a rubbish story but actually spend a lot of money on telling their rubbish story or they've, yes. got, a, or they've got a great story and don't really know how to tell it. So uh, <laughs> I, I try and get the balance right. Oh, perfect. Michael, um, so there's when we talk about the science of brand, mm. uh, um, first there's a, there's, there's a sort of a, a misconception in terms of what is brand. I mean, if we touch the fundamental of brand, uh, there's so many different thoughts on brand, and mm. uh, uh, we definitely look at logo as the as the tangible, the first, most perceived, the moment of truth. Yeah. Uh, not the moment of truth, but probably the beginning of the journey. Yeah. But for a lot of people, and for a lot of corporate CEOs, unfortunately, around the world, brand stops at the brand asset, which is the guidelines and so on. Now. How would you define brand? Um, it's a very simple question for me. And it's a question which when I ask it, 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 it it's normally met with silence. And, and the question is this. I, I, when I ask people, what do they do? They can tell me. When I ask them what they're for, they can't. Um, so for me, it focuses on the change you want to make and being and driving the category that you're in. And... Um, you know, knowing what business you're really in um, and understanding why people buy you. Um, but to answer your question directly, how do I define brand? It's actually working out what you're for, which is far more interesting in my mind than what you actually do. Yes, absolutely. Because it advocates to too many, too many different things away just from the work. 
because brand by sense is human. So mm. if I'm going to claim I'm a brand, it's, it's only related to my work. And once I leave my office and I go home, mm -hmm. so talk about personal brand now. Mm. Uh, if I go home, mm. then my brand changes, which is when I'm with my family and kids, for example. Yeah. Uh, no, it's supposed to be consistent. What I am in the office, what I am at home, what I am with my friends and so on. Mm -hmm. And I believe that corporate brands or product brands should be the same way. But if they're driven to be uh, uh, sort of just uh, different in one place mm. and act different in another place, that's not a brand. I'm, 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 I'm with you. I mean, that, that's a veneer, isn't it? It's like perhaps putting a coat on or a uniform or pretending that you're something that you're not. And people get found out because a belief is a belief, I think, and beliefs uh, dictate what our behaviours are. And I agree with you, consistency is one of the great pillars of all brands anyway. So, yeah, I'm with you. Now, there's also another misconception on the science of it, uh, branding. Mm -hmm. It's been a challenge for me for so long when agencies call themselves, for example, branding agencies. I'm like, uh, branding is, it's, it's continuous, it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. So uh, what comes first? It's a brand. But when, but, so the word branding mm -hmm. uh, relatively could mean advertising for a person who doesn't understand what brand is. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's so easy, isn't it, to get caught up in the words, um, to pick up on the ones that you and I are using here. I, I, I try my very best to simplify things. And when people talk about brand, I try and simplify it down to three letters. And those three letters are DNA. It's what's inside. It's what makes you you. And then the branding bit for me is how you tell the world about that. So that's for me, that's the logo and absolutely, et cetera. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. It starts with what's inside. That's why I refer to brand as your DNA. So when we go now to a lot of people, when they do um, their brand launch, for example, uh, whether if it's a repositioning, refreshment mm. or newly launched, yeah. uh, the most thing that comes to mind is as a tool is advertising. Sure. Now, advertising is part of communication, mm -hmm. but would you, what sort of brands would you use for advertising? I mean, not every brand can go for advertising. The, uh, I don't know if it is, if this isn't answering your question directly, you can tell me off. But as a general rule, I would only use advertising to reinforce an existing brand position. I would never use it to launch something for the first time. And the reason is because I would use PR, digital PR, in the early stages of anything that's new. And by new, by the way, that new could last for years. Because when I use the word new in the context of brand storytelling, I'm really just um, talking about being interesting and being fresh and being pioneering. So the short answer is I wouldn't use advertising at all in the early days because the brand has not been established. I would try and tell as many beautifully rich stories around the brand using PR in the early years and then reinforce the position as it's achieved with advertising further down the line. Absolutely. Uh, I, I believe in, and this has been my, uh, my way in consultancy. I never use advertising. I mean, I generally use advertising, not at launch, mm. but whenever, but uh, I absolutely do not believe advertising it should be used in the beginning, in the launch of the brand, because not only the brand is not established, because advertising at the same point, it is an, it's sort of, uh, uh, it, it does awareness, but at the same time, it's a, it's a claim. Um, a lot of people associate advertising with lies, mm. uh, false perceptions, and 
so on. So imagine when you're a new brand and you have to sell your promise. Mm. Uh, it's between two roads. Either they're going to believe you or doubt you. But when you go on PR, that's sort of, you're telling a story there. Uh, there's relatively a strong sense of uh, belonging. There's a sound to it. There, there is something uh, much calmer than louder. Sure, I, I agree. I think to take the words out of your mouth, I describe brand as whispering rather than shouting. It's a conversation, I think, um, where you should just be able to look someone in the eye, tell them what you believe. And if they believe what you believe, they'll buy from you and follow you. And if they don't, they won't. And I don't think, you know, no brand, as you and I both know, is, is for everybody, nor should they try to be. So if it's based on a belief, those that believe in you will follow you, I think. Yes, absolutely. Which, in the past three years, which brands would you say the most impressed you on delivery? I think, will you, have you heard of Brewdog? Do you know Brewdog? No, no, I never heard I mean, of Brewdog. I mean, in, in the United... I have to check it out. Yeah, cool. I mean, the, the short story of Brewdog is they're, they're a category leader now because it's, there's a thing in the United Kingdom for the last 10 years, maybe 15 years, Saeed, there's been an upsurge in craft beer, people making... They kind of disrupted the, the category of craft beer has exploded by repositioning the category of lager as loutish and let's get drunk. And the craft beer category was um, reinvigorated as um, a place where flavor mattered and the science of beer mattered. And the category leader is Brewdog and Brewdog have aligned their brand with a word that we already know, which is punk because the word punk is rather rebellious. So they're the rebellious, disruptive force inside an emerging category, and they are now globally significant. They're, they're valued at over a billion, uh, a billion pounds, and they've been going less, yeah. less than 10 years. Amazing. Which is your second brand that impressed you in the past three years? Mm, I have a little think. Um... I'm going to mention a high street brand because retail get a lot of flack. Retail get um, a lot of grief because most retail, and, and I'm, I apologize for my grumpiness, I see most retailers as moaning, boring people who actually seal their own fate by not knowing what they are, actually, and lacking innovation. To answer your question about another brand who I have a lot of respect for, it's a, it's a retail brand. That's a global brand, but very popular here in the UK called Hotel Chocolat. So Hotel Chocolat is a niche, top of the category, luxury chocolatier. And there's a really deep reason why I love Hotel Chocolat. First of all, the way they present themselves is beautiful. They're very consistent. And the people who work there are genuinely interested in me as a customer. But what they did was the opposite of the person that they replaced, because Thornton's. Are you aware of the brand Thornton's, Saeed? I don't know. If you know yes, yes, so yes. So Thornton's, I remember when this happened, Thornton's was the place where as a child, a bit like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I used to go there. And I used yeah. to love it. But basically what they did, as you perhaps know, is they changed their distribution network. So they, they started to sell chocolate. This is Thornton's I'm talking about now through Tesco's, for example. And as soon as that happened, it became so accessible that it was no longer beautiful and it was no longer magical. So 
Hotel Chocolat simply went into that space and they run their brand properly. And that's why Hotel Chocolat is the category leader. And Thornton's has profit warnings because they're still quite big, but they make nowhere near the money that they did because Hotel Chocolat understand brand and Thornton's don't. It's funny how successful brands, when they focus on a segment, and they're extremely successful with that segment, rather than building on further attributes, they switch into segments and cascade to mass market. And even even the, if you think about it from the business strategy, whether if it's you start with a value, then you move to a volume. I mean, uh, if, if the business strategy is going to evolve, the brand needs to change sure. too. So you have to reposition again. But you remain as a value brand, and then you cascade to volume mm-hmm. brand, which you change your business strategy, but you left the brand as is. Yeah. Then that, that's that's. But I don't even understand the logic behind why would I move from a successful segment mm-hmm. that I've contributed greatly, mm-hmm. serve another segment that yet to notice me. But I think I think personally, I think market is. The, I'll have a go at marketers now, even though I'm supposed to be one. I think marketers just get bored and they forget about brand. Um, when the, I, 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 think, I think I've got this right. About five years ago, there was a new head of marketing at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And Kentucky Fried Chicken is built on flavor. That's what the brand's about and the 11, spice, yes. 11 spices in the coating. And then they had this beautiful um, slogan of finger licking good because that's what people do. And the first thing that the new head of marketing did was replace it. And she replaced it with um, so good. Now, so good is rubbish because it could be for anyone. Finger licking good can only be for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Two years later, she was kicked out and they went back to finger licking good. And it's because I'm with you when a brand forgets what it's about, perhaps because of the boredom of of an in-house marketer, even the most senior one, that's where the trouble starts. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Michael, let's think about, for example, uh, I mean, one case, great case example is mm. Google. Google has always been positioned as uh, the heart of information. Uh, whether you Google it, save a document and everything that supports mm. you. Then all of a sudden, Google decided, and there was a huge argument. There's a huge argument between yeah. myself and a former McKinsey consultant where he said Google has the money. When Google decided to go into the social sphere and introduce Google Buzz, Google Plus, and so on, I said, this just does not make sense. The McKinsey consultant, his first response to my argument was, they've got the world's money. It's not the world's money that makes it. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It's how you took a name that is mentally framed into the minds of the prospects that is just yeah. there for an instantaneous Absolutely. search. And then you put it into a way of lifestyle, mm-hmm. which impacts my social being that Facebook and others are already occupying. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I agree me. with you. Just If you've got money, I think money gives you um, the opportunity to make choices, but it still means you can make terrible choices. And, and I agree with you because as I understand it, Google have, lost money and withdrawn from every other category apart from categories that stand for search because Google stands for search. So in the mind of the consumer, we think Google, we think search. So any category it goes into that doesn't stand for search, 
we get confused. And the danger, of course, is that it weakens them in their existing category. It's not going to happen to Google because they're so dominant. It seems to me, but they'll continue to lose money in any new category that doesn't stand for search. So I'm with you 100 percent. Exactly. I mean, if, if I get, are, are you familiar with the U.S. Brand, uh, airline brands like Southwest, for example? Somewhere in my head, yes. N not in any great detail, but yes, I've heard of them. Yeah, well, South, Southwest is a budget airlines. It's a budget career airlines. And uh, uh, Southwest has been around for a very long time. You have the same size fleets. Very consistent on their supply chain uh, because uh, it's price. It's a price brand, not a it's not an experienced brand. Uh, it's price price yep. slash product brand. Anyway, so they've been very consistent, and the brand has been already well framed in the in the minds of the audience. Um, they had a slogan at one time that's relatively close to something pay peanuts mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so they've hammered the brand in, and it's there. But imagine if Southwest tomorrow decided to be like mm -hmm, Emirates, mm -hmm. sure. luxury. There's no way in the world where Southwest can elevate a price brand into a story experience brand, which yeah. is Emirates. So what I don't get is how these big corporates are missing the signs and always focusing on the art I, of the I think, you know, what the, I think now is brand extension i think that people think because it works here it'll work there it, you know because it works here it'll work there but in my experience it only works there if what matters there is the same as what matters here and that's why virgin can expand into um pe virgin stands for the people's champion there's a lot of bad press around virgin at the moment i know but that's because branson's apparent behavior is going against their apparent values but Virgin stands for the people's champion. So Virgin works in any space where the consumer requires protection. But you and I both know the story of when Virgin Cola just came, lost Branson a lot of money and then disappeared again because we don't need saving from Pepsi and Coke. But in theory, the Virgin brands work in categories like banking, I suppose, or the trains, if you can make it work there, where we're generally treated badly as a consumer. So I think that people think that because it works here, it'll work there. But it's only if what matters here matters there as well. That's when brand extension, in my experience, can work. Not always, but that's when it can work. Very true. It's like putting, um, I think Virgin Cola is one of the greatest examples on uh, um, entering a very competitive mm. market. So you have the same circle, same circle. So if you have three circles, right in the middle, it's a circle where all the cola-based drinks meet, where Coke, Pepsi, and yep. other others meet. All of a sudden, Virgin walks into that mm. field where Coca-Cola is dominant in America and Pepsi is dominant mm. elsewhere, and it's trying to find its sure. space. And based on what? Based on the brand being successful in yep. other categories. So it's based on sure. equity. So I come in to fight, fight and battle without identifying why I am here, and what values am okay. I serving? What distinctive values am I bringing? It's not identified. Oh, I'm just here because I have followers for the airlines, I have followers for this, for my record company, and so on. It's all called mm -hmm. Virgin. So this would be uh, this would sure. add a value. Uh, I if it just this it's just crazy. It's, it's interesting though, Said, because I think there's a difference between common sense and brand sense because.
I think people get confused between brand awareness and brand strength. So that is basically, as, as we know, brand awareness. Yes, I've heard of it. Brand strength. I know what they stand for. And generally, and I apologize because I'm repeating myself, but you know what? The, remember the quote that got you and I talking? It was me when I wrote, I wrote something and it was, I said it by accident, actually. I said, the problem with brand is that it's so simple. It's so simple that even some of the greatest business minds don't understand it. And what I mean by that is, and forgive me if you agree with me, I don't know, is that most of even the greatest business thinkers, they overcomplicate things. And for me, it's nothing more complex than if it matters here, it can matter in any category um, where the same things are, um, you know, that they actually do matter. So my point there is there's a difference between brand awareness and brand strength. It's what you stand for that dictates where you can extend to. Perfect. Here's a question for you. The current yeah. situation, mm. COVID-19, um, airlines industry has been hit, mm. tourism has been hit, retail has been hit, uh, consultancy has been hit. Because yeah. <laughs> it's us. We're sitting in one location from flying mm. all over the place. So where do you think Goodness we're gracious. heading? I don't know. I, I do think that a big percentage of what's happening now is the new normal side. I don't think we're going to go back 100%. Uh, I can't get my head around some of the detail. Um, I know that people are reevaluating so many things, as you've just said, how much we travel. We can do a lot remotely. We can get a couple of hours a day back every single day to do with what we wish. Um, I think that a lot of advertising that's appearing in this space <clears throat> is it's almost like we've got some budget. So let's say the same as everybody else, you know, stay safe. Here's a little bit of piano music. And here's a picture of some people, you know, saying hello through a screen. I do think that we crave a little bit of normality. So sensitively, I think that in this space, advertisers and brand builders can remind us respectfully that the brands are still there. But to come back, you know, not bore us with the same ad as everybody else. But back to your question. Goodness gracious. I don't know. The new world. The new world. Are you, are you asking? Uh, I was. I was I was I was I was reading a re I was I was reading on research last night and it said uh, literally that it takes seventy days for any human to embrace okay. the new habit. So uh, relatively, we're past the seventy days, and many of the countries yeah. have been locked down. Uh, the others are going to continue another thirty to forty days, which will continue seventy days. So, and then you hear another story where it says that a lot of companies are pretty happy right now with mm -hmm. remote working. Uh, it saves them office, it saves them this and so on. And a lot of the companies move their sure. locations to a more affordable location. That's one side. Then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. yesterday, I'm hearing from a friend of mine in New York, another guy in Hong Kong, uh, who work in the advertising world, and they're saying, uh, we're laying off people. I'm like, oh, why? He goes, oh, we're, we, we're probably going to, uh, it's going to be a dead end. He's like, One of them said, this is a dead end. Things are not going to go back as advertising because companies are getting very comfortable right now with their budget yeah. and where they are and how things are done. So even advertising industry. Yeah, I mean, evolution, whatever that means in this context, but evolution is clearly part of this and understanding what the new normal is and reacting. I think there's a lot to be said for honesty and transparency and vulnerability and, you know, continually trying to build the relationships we're all in a pickle. We're all a little bit confused. 
So strangely, that could bring people closer together. It could bring brands closer to people and people closer to brands because of the empathy opportunity, I suppose. But I don't want it to sound manipulative because for me, advertising should never be manipulative. It should always be inclusive and trying to bring people closer together. So this mini ramble from me is saying, surely there's opportunity for us to to get a little bit closer together. I don't know. But back to your question, I don't know what, what what's going to happen. Um, I, I do sense, though, that a big percentage of where we are now <clears throat> is going to stay like this. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, there's still going to be a, a huge uh, desire for human contact. But a lot of, I think, from the from from work-wise, uh, uh, from different industries, um, I think things are going to change a lot, yeah. a lot. Um, if we look at the, what happened in 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. Uber was born, uh, Airbnb was born. So now there's a new evolution and there's a new brands that are coming in. And I believe they're coming in to solve the sure. current problem, which, which is impacted by COVID-19, which has to do a lot with uh, safety, hygiene, health, and so on. Even our experience in shopping is going to change. I don't think malls are going to last I think, too I long. think you're right. And if, if you don't mind me saying, um, I'm going to mention something about my old world because I used to run agencies. You know, I, I guess... I guess I employ sure. 30 something people in a quite a big agency. And I've thought for years now that agencies are on borrowed time. And I apologize, you know, if I'm having a go at a sector, but I am having a go at a sector because I do think that agencies overcomplicate things. I believe that the web, I wrote something recently, Saeed, and got in trouble because I basically wrote web design is dead. There is no such thing as web design is what I said. I said, because I said, basically, it doesn't matter in my opinion if your website looks pretty much the same as everybody else's, it's because it's all about the content. I do think that agencies overcomplicate, you know, architecture and, and, and user interface. And so many people have jumped online quickly and it kind of works. So I think that, uh, you know, form should follow function. Um, there's, there's too much. Websites are too expensive from agencies. They're overcomplicated. And to repeat, because form follows function, just get the damn thing live, put some great content in, tell your story correctly, get the brand right. And that's what we need. So going forward, I would expect that the a resurgence of the likes of Wix, which are all doing very well, of course, and Squarespace and WordPress, etc. Get yourself online and um, concentrate on what you're selling and how you're telling your story. The actual structure of the website, just do, you know, keep it simple. That's what I think. Absolutely. And I think I also think mm. even email, uh, it consumes so much time. And I believe that uh, it would decline. Uh, funny enough, I, I, I personally, mm. Michael, I just can't stand emails because it just consumes my time. It's, I would sit two to three hours reading nonsense and replying yeah. to emails. I, mean, I just made sure the other day that, you know, everyone's got to go on instant, um, one of the instant messages that even they yeah. like, I'll download it. Uh, but I'm not, I can't do emails anymore. It's just, uh, uh, and I believe a lot of people are also sort of pressured by, uh, uh, pressured mm. by, by time. They, do, they, they don't even have time to sit down on an email for yeah. two to three I, I hours. agree with you. Although my habits of were you're ahead of me. You're ahead of me. I'm no good because I still try and, 
read email and get my inbox down. And you're right. A couple of hours a day is gone. I need to be more like you. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I don't even have time to comb my hair, let well, alone I'm going to sit on an email. Got a lot of hair. And it's good. <laughs> and it's good. Yeah. And all those glasses as well. How long do you spend each day choosing your glasses, Saeed? Is that a quick decision? Well, well, I buy them once every every quarter. I travel to Brussels to get them, and um, well, I've been collecting them for the past Excellent. what uh, ten years, and I right now reached the, uh, but uh, that's fantastic. So there's you and Elton John. You're the glasses guys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you, you nailed it there. <laughs> so here's a question: I have. Uh, my audience are uh, mm. my podcast audience are from the Middle East and. Um, let me take you on this, Michael. And unfortunately, yeah. my region is, uh, if I put it correctly, is uh, extremely okay. poor on knowledge, on brand. Uh, they inherited the uh, sort of the old school of PNG where uh, or uh, Unilever and the purpose of PNG Unilever in the Middle East and Africa is always about sales, not about building brands because brands has already been yeah. established overseas. So, so there's yeah. that influence. So they hire locally, they usually hire engineers and they stay on board for four years, five years. Then these engineers uh, with uh, P&G brand manager experience or Unilever move into uh, the local agencies, uh, into the local companies, sorry, and become head of marketing. And that is where things yeah. go wrong. So because that's when they really see the reality of establishing a whole marketing department developing the marketing process, bringing in uh, uh, the planning, understanding how uh, the, the P's work, and then go even further, understanding how brand. So I've written numerous articles where I have seen uh, enormous yeah. amount of mistakes, uh, very basic, like uh, repositioning straight head-on advertising without even educating why the repositioning yeah. happened and so on. So a lot of that. So I've written about 25, 40, 50 block yeah. case studies on this. And the reason I'm doing this and I'm pushing on this is because I want to raise the knowledge on brand across the region. Now, here is the thing. And here are my audience. They follow this podcast and they listen to each episode. I want from you to tell them, if you take a brand on a journey, what would you expect from that brand? Is it just the logo of it or the whole entire science? Would you please take them on that? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll give them five uh, pointers to get right. And they won't come as a surprise to you. And I'll come to those in just a second. But for me, the main thing is um, to think about what you're, f and I know I'm repeating myself, so I apologize. It's about what they're for rather than what they do. And finding an ownable point of difference. It, by that, I mean the destination for me, the holy grail of brand is that um, try and this is what I would say to them. Try and get to a point where people describe what you do. Describe your purpose, describe your very existence, describe your very being without using your name and they still know who you are. I'll repeat that. Try and get to the point where people describe what drives you, what lights you up, what makes you get out of bed in the morning without even having to mention your name and they automatically know your name. And I suppose the example, which is a P&G brand, is that battery that lasts longer than any other battery. I know, I would suggest, you know, the vast majority of people, almost all people will be thinking of Duracell. 
which is a PNG brand, which is so narrowly focused. It just does one thing. And we believe that it lasts longer, much longer, because that's the slogan. But this is my point. What's that battery that lasts longer, much longer? And we say, that'll be Duracell. I've never tested a Duracell, but they've been so consistent over the years and so narrowly focused, they only do batteries. And it's the same with Dyson, of course, because when Dyson launched, the first advert that Dyson launched was, it said, there is no loss of suction. Um, and 11 or 12 years on now, they're worth a billion dollars and their adverts still say there's no loss of suction. And anybody else that's talking about a carpet cleaner, a vacuum cleaner with no loss of suction, they sound like Dyson. So understand your point of difference and keep it simple. And the five points which I think um, will make any brand uh, are as follows. I mean, the first one is knowing what business you're really in. Just understand that it's not what you do, it's what you're for. People don't buy what you do, they buy what you do does. That's the first thing. So focus on what you do does, not what you do. The second thing I would say is own a life-enhancing benefit in the mind of the consumer. You and I know this. Own a life-enhancing benefit in the mind of the consumer, in the mind of the consumer, because that's the only place that brands exist anyway. Try and understand the difference that they want to happen and then tell them that you're the only person who can make it happen. That's what James Dyson did because people were fed up with the bag inside the, the vacuum cleaner clogging up. So he solved that problem for them. And the, the, the other three, so the first one is knowing what business you're really in. The second one is owning a life enhancing benefit in the mind of the consumer. Stay focused, stay focused, keep it simple. You know, just keep saying the same thing over and over. All you have to do is find amazing ways to keep saying the same thing. That's the job of the creatives, but keep the brand consistent. The next one annoys a lot of creatives actually, because I believe in, cl in clarity over creativity because it's more important to be clear than it is to be creative. Because if you get too creative and we don't understand what you're saying, it's a waste of time. So that one's about being clear. I would always put clarity over creativity. And finally, I suppose it's reinforcing this thing about consistency. So be consistent. Um, so know, you know, know what business you're in, own a life enhancing benefit in the mind of the consumer, stay focused, be clear and be consistent. That's what I'd encourage people to do. But if Procter & Gamble are, are big where you are, have a look at some of the narrowly focused Procter & Gamble brands because they run very well. Is Dove, is Dove a Procter & Gamble brand? I don't know. Do you know? Okay. No, I don't think so. Dove. Okay. Uh, no, Dove is okay. not. You're probably I think it's right. Unilever, I don't know, no? but the reason I mention them is because for me, Dove stands for, you know, helping women who are, shouldn't be as body conscious as they are. So I don't know why Dove go and do flipping men's stuff in parallel because that's not what the brand's about and they don't, they don't sell... They don't, they don't sell much over exactly. there and it shouldn't come yes. as a surprise. So I'm sorry I've rattled on a little bit there, but that's the five things I would encourage all people who want to build a brand. And you know what? Another thing I waffle on about is that brand-rich brands are rich brands. You know, brand-rich brands are rich brands because when you leave the category and you stand for something, so everyone else sounds like they're copying you, um, but you have to keep it simple to, to keep your number one position. Absolutely. Michael, it's an honor to have you on my uh, podcast and having this episode. And thank you very much. It's, this should uh, sort of help my region and help my mission. 
and um, well, any, I look forward to having you It's very flattering and, for me, um, it really is, because I've been listening to your videos, these little moments that you capture in airports, and when you're wandering around, you're smiling into the lens. I've been watching them for years. It's brilliant. Thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate Thank it, Michael. You. Have a good one. Thank you. It was a great honor to have Michael on on my podcast in this special episode on brand. I love how he uh, sort of gave proper definition to brand and branding. And um, he shared his story and um, what impact uh, he has made. Uh, so much to learn, so much to learn when you invite experts like Michael Owen, especially in my region, the Middle East. We lack that depth of brand. And that's why I bring experts like Michael Owen, Thompson, Dowson, uh, Paul Lewis, and many others from across the globe. These experts work for a number of years on great brands. Thank you very much. Please share this episode. There's so much to spread. Have a good one. Thank you.